How to Coach Underperforming Employees in Four Steps. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hello, Rory. Paul, it is great to be here. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited about the topic because it really is the crux of what is the difficulty with coaching. Absolutely. And I always like to start off with um, you kind of giving uh, a little pitch about why coaching is so important and why um, it's exciting to learn about this skill. Of all the skills I've learned as a manager, by far this one is the most persuasive, most powerful, and most impactful. If you want to be a better manager, you want to be a better leader, coaching is the key. And what it does is it's really it's such an easy and simple tool to learn, hard to practice because we've got to unlearn all of the other management techniques we've done, kind of empty ourselves of that and pour coaching back in. But when you do that, when you learn how to ask questions, get people involved, you get them engaged, you get them fired up, get them charged up. And I've actually seen ROAs of organizations I've worked with improve. I've seen engagement improve. I've seen employee retention improve significantly. And when I ask my clients, you know, what's the ROI on the, uh, the process or the projects we've worked on, it's almost seven to 10 times what they've invested in me, they've gotten back in the organization. So it's a highly leveraged uh, process and just fires me up to do it. Well, this is a really interesting topic of how mm-hmm. to coach underperforming employees. I, I would say the good news is that coaches know they have to coach these people. <laughs> and probably you should emphasize that you need to coach everybody. Right. But this is the, these are the difficulty ones. This is the hard ones. This is the ones where it, it's a little more challenging to get done. So you're, right. you, you're going to help us do this in only four steps in four steps i i yeah so there's there, there's well it's a little bit more complicated than four <laughs> steps but four four basic processes oh, okay. you got to go through okay so the first thing is obviously explain it clear to describe the behavior you're seeing and you don't want to walk up to them and say why are you late you say hey i've noticed over the last five days you've come in 15 minutes late those three days help help me understand explain that to me give me your perspective on that and there may be reasons for it should, and should you ask them why they're doing it Okay, you want to avoid why? Well, let me okay. ask you, and I'll give you an example of that. If, if, if you, you know, remember back in the days, what's, what's your middle name? Vincent. Okay. If your mother yelled <laughs> from upstairs, Paul, Vincent, get up here. Right. And then immediately you walk in here, why is this out here? How do you feel? You already know that you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we use the word why, people know they're, they're, they're being defensive. They're in trouble. They're, they're, their mom's going to get you know use the middle name Paul Vincent, and uh, you know you're in trouble. Whenever I hear Rory Richard, I knew I was in for it. And you know, it's a it's a mom's secret signal of telling yeah. all the parents in the neighborhood you're in trouble because they use the middle name. And so why is that kind of middle name approach? If you add it in there, so don't ask them why. Say I noticed this, I saw this, and, and so that's why you want to avoid the why altogether. So how should you ask that question to the under? underperforming employee right you know and you ask them questions like yeah i've noticed that you've been late three out of five times this last week or i've noticed at team meetings you're not being you know you're not discussing an issue that's important to you but you're not talking about it help me understand that because of their underperformance in the team meetings the team's not performing well because they're withholding information that's absolutely critical for the success of the organization so they need to be able to add that information in so that we can do a better job uh-huh. What are some other 
type questions that you should ask. And there's basically four kind of questions that you can go to, and they're strategy, plans, roles, and rewards. And I'll go over those a couple of times so people see them. So the first one you want to ask is, where are we going? That's the strategy question. You know, know, okay, this problem's occurred. Where are we going to go from here? And so that you can talk about that and find out what's happening. It's like the old Chinese proverb. You know, the Chinese proverb says, uh, you know, a mile, a, a trip of a thousand miles begins with but a single step. No, it doesn't. It really begins with the question, where are we going? <laughs> I mean, because you just end up like Forrest Gump walking around the country, yeah. you know, if you don't know where you're going. So the important thing is from a strategy standpoint, where are you going? And then what are we going to do to get there is our plans of action. Okay, we've seen this happen. We've seen you, you know, we've noticed that you've been late three out of five times this week. Give me your background and perspective. And I had an employee that did this. She was late a significant number of times when school started. And so the head teller told me, hey, she's late. And I said, okay, let's get together. So the head teller and myself got together and we had a discussion. And I basically said, you know, help me out with this. Help me understand. And she said, hey, I've got a son. He just started kindergarten. The bus is late. Uh, I thought it would be able, I'd be able to, you know, drop him off. But the bus has been late. I am not going to leave my five-year-old on a corner without right. knowing they're on that bus. Being a parent, I'm completely in agreement. I said, absolutely. So then what we did is a pretty a pretty easy solution. We got everybody together and said, okay, here's the challenge. How as a team can we resolve this? And one of the employees said, hey, I'll be happy to come in early if she'll stay late uh, to do that. And she said, "That'll be I'll be happy to have that happen because my husband gets off at three o'clock. Perfect. He'll be there for my son out of school. He's going to pick him up. Uh, I can stay late, no problem whatsoever. And so the team got together and come up with a solution on that. And I didn't have to go up to her and say, why are you late? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Paul Vincent, why are you late? Uh, So we didn't have to do that. And that's the important key. So, you know, um, what are we going to do to get there? So we talked as a team, what are we going to do to get there? That was our plan of action. And then, you know, how, uh, what can I do to contribute to this process? And so you're asking them, what can they contribute to the process? And she said, hey, I'll be happy to work later and come in a little bit later and work later. So that's my role. And then what's in it for her is she's got a sense of peace of mind, a sense of, of, of calmness that her son is safe. He's on the school bus. So the, basically the four questions are that you can ask about uh, working with an employee that's underperforming. There's strategy questions, plans, roles, and rewards. And the strategy question is, where are we going? Where are we going with this problem? Where are we going with this situation? Uh, what are we or you going to do in order to help us get there? And so that's our plan of action. The plan of action was one person is going to come in early, one person is going to come in late, we fix the problem. What can I do to contribute to it? What are our roles? How can I contribute to it? How as a manager can you contribute to it? I think that's a great question. And then what's in it for you? What's the reward for her? And her reward was her sense of peace of mind, her control of her life uh, in that process. So I just think that's such an important important key. What are some other or some additional questions you should ask? Yeah. And then, you know, ask the question, how's this behavior impacting the team? You know, if they don't, and you don't want to really, if, if they were like this other employee and they said, hey, I'm late because of this situation what do we do to fix it? You don't have to go to these steps here, right here. Boom. You, you, you brought it up, you resolved it, but let's talk about an employee that, you know, is kind of resistant. Um, they, they really don't want to buy into the process and they're being resistant. So then you might want to ask questions is how is this behavior impacting the team? How is this behavior, um, that you've mentioned, how that behavior impacting the team, the organization, your relationship with other people? You know, I've seen employees who have lost friendships because, uh, they didn't communicate well in the organization, and the manager allowed it to continue until they, mm. they didn't fix it. And so, you know, work is not worth losing a friendship over. Right. 
And so you've got to make sure that you address it. So you can ask the employee, do you feel excluded or included from your team members because of this behavior? And, um, and I love this question. And this one I call the golden question. Here we go. Exactly right. Oh, ding, 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 ding. We need a sound effect for this. We need a sound effect for this. But you know. I'll dig out my sound effect. I don't want to do that to the show, okay? We want to do it. Yeah. But anyway, is their behavior getting them what they want? You know, is this behavior getting, mm. what, is this behavior getting you what you want? And I think that's just a great question. Yeah. And I was coaching a, a, a young lady. She had just been you know, promoted to management. She became one, of the, became one of the key members of an organization. And her and the CEO got crossways. It, yeah, not good. And the CEO calls me up and said, hey, can you work with this person, which is never a good sign of uh, this person's uh, you know, probably uh, things are not going well. And I got together with the CEO and found out what was happening. I went to this employee and I said, tell me what's going on. And I asked her the, the golden question. You know, is this behavior getting you what you want? And she said, no. And I said, give me your background. Give me the perspective on this. She said, well, the CEO did this, this, and this. And I said, I understand. But in a bigger context, how important is this? Is this a hill worth dying on? Yeah. And she goes, probably not. And I said, okay, your decision is, is your career worth what's happening? Because if you pursue this path and you pursue this goal, and she did it from a personal, I mean, everybody does it from a perspective of what's important to them. And she was doing it from, hey, this is important. I think this is a, you know, a value-based decision. I understand. But the CEO saw it from a different perspective. Is this is your career worth this? And so I love the, the golden question. Is your behavior getting you what you want? And I ask myself that question all the time. You know, is this behavior giving me what we want is, is such an important question. So we've got to clearly ask that question. Uh, and, and so how we can do that. Also, another important question is, how is their behavior impacting their opportunities for growth, their recognition within the organization, their credibility, their chances for new projects, and their financial rewards? Because if their behavior is harming them, opportunities for job growth, job security, promotion, recognition, uh, credibility, chances for new projects, financial rewards, bonuses, all those things can be impacted by this poor performance. Mm -hmm. And if you can help improve their performance and get them on the right track, then you can open up all these doors for them. That's why it's so important to deal with an underperforming employee so you can help them yeah. move forward in a positive way. Right. So you, the first step of explain, the second right. we is move ask. to is ask. Right. So how do you know that they understand the impact of the behavior. This is a great one. I love this one. And this is where many managers uh, stub their toes and many managers aren't aware of. I remember a CEO and she was telling me one day she's got a huge problem with her CFO. And, uh, and I asked her the question, have you ever asked the employee, what is your perception of my expectations of you? Mm. So for that CEO to say to them, what is your perception of my expectations of you? Because if they can't regurgitate the, the job description as you see it, then obviously there's a misconnect. And the misconnect is the frustration and the rub and the friction that's occurring between the relationship. And until you get an employee that says, what is your perception of my, what is your perception of my expectations of you? And until they can articulate it, you're not there. And if you can articulate it, wow, you're on the right path. And so uh, Marcus Buckingham wrote a great book called First Break All the Rules, where Gallup interviewed over 100,000 employees and found 12 important questions to see if uh, employees are doing their job well or, or what they need at work to perform at the highest level possible. And one of the questions they ask, and the very, very first question is they found is, do I know what's expected of me at work? And if an employee, a lot of times employees perform poorly 
because they don't know what's right. expected of them at work. Absolutely. I didn't know this was a I've job requirement. I've seen that a million times. Bingo. And it's because managers don't ask the other question, what is your perception of my expectations of you? If they did that and the employee were able to paraphrase back what they, th- they think they want them to do, those are two really powerful questions to make you a more effective manager. And managers don't use those, and therefore they have trouble uh, getting the, their teams to work as effectively as they would like. So I know many situations where their expectations are written down and people have to sign them. But that right. doesn't really confirm that they understand them. Absolutely. Just because they sign them doesn't mean they right. absolutely. So how do you confirm that they actually understand them? That's when you sit down and you say, okay, what's my perception? Which regurgitate back to me what you think I should, you know, what you should be doing so I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, okay, here's this, you know, here's the here's the payroll. What do we do on payroll? When do we get it done? When do we get the information from the payroll department? When do we get it up from all the managers? Uh, and then when should it be entered into? And when should it be sent to you know finance so that they can cut the check to send it to the bank and all of that kind of stuff? If, if you haven't had that in-depth discussion and they're missing deadlines or, or, or doing incomplete tasks, because we've got, say, 1,000 employees, then we make sure that all 1,000 employees, that that Excel spreadsheet tabulates and cross-tabulates we're going to send out a check for X amount of dollars. And guess what? Every employee is going to get that X amount of dollars because that's yeah. our payroll. And then now the expectation is clear. We certainly understand. But you didn't tell them, I want you to do this. I didn't want you. I want you to go out there and to get the managers to prove this. I want it done by this time frame. I want it done by this. You have them tell it. Right. Walk me through the process. Walk me through the steps. And when they do that, then all of a sudden they have paraphrased back to you. It's that communication loop. Remember back in college, they said you've got play, person A talking to person B and they, person A tells person person B what they're doing. But in order to get to finish the communication loop, you got to have person B tell person A what they're doing. Right. And then person B in this point is telling the manager, these are what I perceive your expectations to be. Right. And then if you've got a misconnect, said, well, I would really like to have this done by noon on this date. I realize that three o'clock is the deadline, but we've got to have some time for those mm-hmm. managers who don't do it. And what do we do and how do we process that? Or how do we get the manager sign off on it in order to go ahead and pay this person? And, and I would throw this in here. Mm-hmm. People can listen to some of the past uh, episodes where you probably aren't saying that a manager should completely prescribe exactly what they need to do. Right. But a general understanding of, of the result as opposed to how. Right. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because well, you got to be result focused. Right. Um, if you're not result focused, it's, you know, what does done look like? Uh, mm-hmm. I talked to a, a gentleman this I interviewed for a podcast named Glenn Alman, and he gave a great story about Rocky Flats. But he said one of the reasons that Rocky Flats was successful, it was a, a nuclear uh, waste dump area outside of Denver, and they had to clean it up. And it was the only time they've ever cleaned up a nuclear waste dump on time and under budget. And the, one of the reasons they did that is because the leaders always had the thing, always had the concept, what does done look like? And how does this add to the mission and vision of the organization? And so then once they knew what done looked like, it was completely cleaned up. Nobody dies. Everybody's healthy. We get rid of the waste. Uh, it's, con- it's contained. It's controlled. It's not going to harm anybody for generations. Boom. Then that was, that's what done looked like. And so they continue to ask that question all the time. And I think that's a great question for managers. What does done look like with payroll? Yeah. 
And then if you ask them what does done look like, then you focus on the results. And I think that's a, a I'm, gl- I am so glad, right. I am so glad you talked about the results yeah. and not the process. And the story you told there, that, is that called a teaser? That is kind of a teaser yeah. on the Stay next. Stay tuned, co- <laughs> folks. Yeah. There will be uh, mm-hmm. one where we talk about Rocky Flats and the success of that organization. And there's a great book called uh, Making the Impossible Possible. And I think that's a great example of a story that you can learn how to manage more effectively by staying focused on what does done look like. And he tells a great story of that process. So everybody stay tuned to this uh, channel. (laughs) Exactly. So how much, when you're in this interaction, how much should you as the coach be listening and how much should you talk? That is another great question. Another, you know, it's the 80-20 rule right here, and, or even a 75-25 rule. But you need to listen 80% of the time and talk 20% of the time. And really, when you're talking, you're not talking. You're basically asking questions. So you want to focus on that. Make sure that you're dealing with performance issue and not your reaction to emotionally. Don't, don't get caught up in the emotions of your aspect. And then the other key is, I think this is an important mantra of successful managers, the successful manager listens first. And you should really focus on listening first so that you can really find out what's going on with that employee and what's happening in their life. So you should, should you ask the, the employee why they acted this way? It's, it's, that's what you shouldn't be doing, right? Right. You want to stay away from the why. Yes. We talked about that earlier, yeah. Paul Vincent, remember? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just an important question. You want, to, you want to listen for the why, but don't ask the why. And you can listen for the why when you say, tell me more or give me your perspective mm. on this. Or, you know, what were your motivations for bringing you here? Or what led up to making this decision? Those all give you the why, but they don't come out as a why question. And so listen for the why, but don't ask the why. And also reserve your judgment. You know, listen to their answer. The other thing that's very, very important here is the assumption of positive intent. Okay. And so... I, yeah, you've talked about this. How, how does that impact that? Yeah, the assumption of positive intent is so critical for you as a manager. What I've discovered as I've done this is I really have never come across an employee that says, I want to screw up my career. Right. I want to destroy my career. I'm out to just make it miserable for everybody around me. I have never discovered that. Now, they may lose their polish. They may lose their enthusiasm. They, not, they may not be the person that you hired. I can't tell you the number of times I've had CEOs say, where was that person I interviewed? I want that person back. This person is not that person. That happens over time. And a lot of times it happens because of the the management's behavior of not coaching effectively and getting people involved. But you've you've got to assume positive intent. And I think that's so critical. I can honestly say with all of my heart, I have never seen an employee start a process or end their career because of negative intent. You know, other than they just, you know, if they want out, but they may not be performing because they, it's not their, not their goal. It's not what drives them. It's really not their strength. It's not something that fires them up. Um, you know, I had to let go of an employee who was in our collection department and uh, it just wasn't her job. And then, you know, we finally, and it took me nine months to let that person go. And I should actually do a podcast on the, the challenges of, yeah. of firing people. But it took me nine months to let them go. But when I hired the new person that truly loved collecting and loved talking to people, and he came from a perspective of, I make them my best friend. And they pay, you know, and people pay friends first. Mm -hmm. That was his mantra. And guess what? He cleaned up the the problems we had and did a tremendous job. But his motivation was he was solution-focused. 
this the other person I had to let go, that was not what she wanted to do. And if you're if you're doing something you don't want to do, and that was my mistake, trying yeah. to continue to keep her there and not asking the question we asked in the last podcast, what do you really want to be doing? What mm-hmm. do you want to what do you really want to focus on? She left, she went to another organization, was a man of position, and literally f- finished her career doing that and was incredibly happy Great. happy. So by by firing people sometimes you give them the opportunity to reevaluate their life and go forward. But she even she didn't have negative intent. She had a positive yeah, intent. Right. She just didn't know how to do the the job just didn't drive her. And so that was a, a critical factor of her of her a critical factor of her failure, but also my failure of not getting rid of her earlier. Yeah. So how do you involve the uh, employee or team member in the solution? Yeah, and the third step here is the in, the involvement process. And then obviously ask them for potential solutions or approaches. If I'd asked that employee that didn't want to do collections, you know, is this really what you want to do? We could have found out a lot of things uh, rather than trying to put a square peg in a, excuse me, in a round hole. Um, but continue the discussion. Find out the root cause of the performance gaps. And, you know, by asking questions and finding out what's going on, and sometimes employees can't articulate it. You've got to be able to talk it to them long enough so they can really come to the point of what's driving them to do that. And uh, that, that sense of uneasiness is not a bad thing, but we need to be able to identify what, why they're uneasy or what's happening to it. But the important key here is be solution-focused, not problem-focused. Don't focus on the person as a problem. They've got an attitude problem. Typically, an attitude problem is a wrong fit. Uh, or there's they don't feel included, or they don't feel involved, or the the team for some reason is not uh, clicking. We've got to find out what's going on in that. Find out the solution, and don't focus on the problem of oh, they're an employee with bad attitude. I cannot tell you the number of times members managers tell me an employee has a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. What are the questions that a leader should ask themselves? Yeah, you know, and, and I think this is an important key. We if we've got a problem employee, have we contributed to the cause any way, shape, or form? So what can I what can I do to prevent this from happening in the future? Winning leaders always look inside themselves to find out how they can improve. And did they do something that actually inhibited this performance of this person? Did they not address the issue early enough? Did they not have the courage to talk about it? Did they not know how to go about it? What I find the reason most managers don't coach is it's an uncomfortable conversation and they don't know how to approach it. But by using the coaching model and learning to ask questions, you don't have to tell them, hey, you're late. You've been late three times. You say, tell me about that. And it's a whole different approach. It's allowing people to be adults and approaching them from an adult perspective. So you've gone through these these questions. And mm-hmm. So what do you do if they don't keep that commitment, the, the uh, team member that you're working with? So you've done this, mm-hmm. and they still don't do it. Right, and and then ask about that. Say, hey, here's what we set up in the past. This was our agreement. D- from your perspective, do you think we've both of us have kept our ends of the agreement? Okay. You know, either yourself or them. And they may they may lay some of the blame on you. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Uh, don't let your ego get so far in the way. But then also let them. Okay, how can we as a team do this? Or what's your perception of what you contributed to this? How have you moved in the direction of getting there? Um, but the other side of the coin is too. Success is progress, and and and, and that's a, such an important key in this process. Is success is progress, and I and I love that concept. Yeah, because I'm working with a person right now, and uh, she hasn't made has not been making the progress I like. But the other side of the coin is she is making progress. So I have to ask myself the question, and then I ask the leadership team. You know, are you happy with the progress? Well, not really, but we still believe in her. We want her to be here. We have made progress where we're at. Let's continue on. So sometimes employees don't move as quickly as we would like, 
but are you to the point where you want to fire them because they haven't moved that fast? And a lot of organizations aren't there. So success is progress. And do you still believe in the employee? Do you still want to keep the employee? Have you gotten to the point where you want to fire them? If you're not there yeah. yet, then continue to work with the progress. Keep doing the same thing until you see the progress. Until you see the progress. Continue to ask them the question, you know, tell me a success story that you've done. How did that work? Mm-hmm. Is Are you completely where you want to be? Uh, what can we do to get you there? And let's continue to work on this so that they, you know, are they are they making the process yeah. a, a priority? Typically, that's what I see is they want to change. They want to work on it. They just haven't made it a priority yet. And by me continuing to coach and make it a priority, we can, in fact, help them get that uh, to that process. So we've now at the final step of the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is step four. And this is appreciation and recognition of even the smallest things that they've done. Uh, I call it coach like a mother. And what I mean, <laughs> and oh what boy. I mean, and what is I that mean, the middle middle name, thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ball Vincent. Uh, but uh, but a mother, when a child is learning to walk, um, they don't ever say to that child, "Come on, your brother got this." The, the typical child falls fifteen hundred times and they learn to walk. Mm-hmm. Now you've never heard a mother say at twelve fifty, "Hey, your brother had this at twelve fifty. I can't believe you're right. not there yet." That's right. They continue to support. They know that child is going to walk, and they recognize that success is in fact progress. And they see that child making progress, and they don't get so caught up in milestones. They get caught up in results, and I think that's an important aspect of it. So look at those things that they're doing well, reinforcing them. What gets rewarded gets repeated. So tell that person, hey, I really appreciate the fact that you've you've had this difficult, uh, like the employee that I'm working with. She had to have a difficult conversation with the employee. Used to not have those conversations. Now she did. Is she as far along as we wanted her to be? No. But is she having those conversations? Yes, she is. And I think that's an important key. So recognize those small things. Demonstrate your appreciation. They may not be in there. They may not be completely there. But if you continue to reinforce the behavior that you want, what gets reported, what gets rewarded, gets repeated. So right. take these four steps, and you'll be on the pathway of a boosting accountability and performance in your organization. How do you further reinforce these steps? Have them tell success stories, like I just mentioned a moment ago. Have mm-hmm. them tell the team their success stories. Um, even if a manager, and I've been working with a lot of managers who are trying to help them become better coaches, I have them tell one success story to the team. Uh, so they get that accolades from the entire yeah. team. You know, are they a perfect manager? No. Do the employees, other folks, know they're not a perfect manager? Sure. Do they know they're not a perfect manager? Absolutely. Are they trying to improve? Yes. And success is progress. And so I love them. I love them having them tell uh, success stories, or then asking them, "Is there a time when you've fallen short?" And how can we or we as a group help you with that? Then you get to talk about the real life examples of that. Um, when I work with organizations, I love to see this transformation. I love to see them talking, going from uh, methodology or structure to this is how I'm perceiving it and this is how I'm going to do it. Mm. When I start to see them talking in personal terms and being vulnerable, we're making progress. And that's very, very important. That's a progress that you see. Absolutely. And that's what I'm looking for for, as my measures. Now that I've worked with enough organizations, I see those steps and that where they're willing to be vulnerable is the important key. All right. There's our four steps. Absolutely. And how about if I just go over them go real the, quickly? Yeah. It, just real quickly uh, go over the four steps. And I need to go back on my paperwork here. Uh, but the first one is make sure that we ex- explain it or have them explain it. You know, ask them, hey, I've noticed that you were late uh, three out of five times. Help me to do that. Um, ask them, 
and have the employee uh, confirm their understanding of the of the problem. You know, use the golden rule or the golden questions. Is is this behavior getting what you want? And could you? And then the other golden question I love is: Could you explain to me, or could you give me what my expectations of you are? Mm-hmm. If they can paraphrase that back, then you will see the misconnect, the gap between their performance and your expectations of them. So, yeah. what is your uh, uh, perception of my expectations of you. So the first thing is number step number one, mm-hmm. ask or excuse me, explain. Step number two, Jeez, ask them. Step number three, right? And go ahead, help me. Step number three is involve. Absolutely, involve them in the process, and get them. Uh, you know, involve them. What are their What are the solutions or approaches that they would like to do? Are important keys. And then the final step is step four. Reinforce. Absolutely, reinforce their behavior and get the. See? Uh, and uh, thank you, thank I'm you, thank learning. you. You are learning, <laughs> but get the appreciation of the process going forward too. If you follow those four steps, you can truly help um, the underperforming employee perform. But also, what you can do is help your career because guess what? Senior leaders like to see people who help people improve, and okay. if they recognize that you've got the skill set to deal with underperforming employee and help them perform. I'm seeing a bright future for you. Well, that's that's a great way to wrap it up. Now, if Absolutely. people want to have an even brighter future Absolutely. by contacting you sure. uh, personally, how do they do that? Right. I do tons of keynote speeches, uh, talk all over the country, and have clients literally now all over the world, which I'm excited about. Uh, but they can contact me at RoryRoland.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D.com. Also, we have CoachingManager.University. It's a 52-week LMS system where they can learn to coach effectively. I love that tool, and it's a great tool for managers to learn how to do this. I can't be everywhere, and this is a way to have an electronic version of me to duplicate myself all over the, <laughs> all over the world. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.